Welcome in and welcome aboard another episode of a show to be named later. Thanks so much for stopping by and tuning in. Whether you found us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, Radio.com, wherever you get your podcast, maybe you follow me on Twitter at SethGoldberg17 or like my Facebook page, Seth Goldberg Sports. Thanks so much for dropping by. Um, I will say, because of something that our guest, Dan Duva, the voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, said on this podcast, you may want to follow me on Twitter, and uh, or at least check it out. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about almost as soon as we get the interview started. But we caught up with Dan, and uh, as he is the voice of the Golden Knights on the radio, uh, had to talk to him about the plan in the NHL, this plan that was unveiled earlier in the week, what we know, what we don't know, when is the league coming back, and some of the things that really go into it. Uh, So a really good conversation with Dan Duva. Always enjoy talking with him. So uh, here it is on a show to be named later. All right, now, as promised, we are joined by the voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, Dan Duva, who uh, joins us again here on a show to be named later. Dan, thanks so much for for taking some time and coming on. How are you? I'm glad to be with you, Seth, and I look forward to exchanging our respective baking recipes. Oh, yes. I I had I told Dan I had to wait like five more minutes because I had to put something in the fridge to bake. Um, I guess I have to put a picture of that when it's done with this podcast now, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I insist, and I, I want the recipes, and I, I need to know uh, the, the tips and tricks, the inside baseball. All right, I can I can certainly do that uh, d- down the road or, or when we're off uh, offline, so to speak. But uh, Dan, <laughs> Dan, I wanted to call you up because uh, earlier in the week the the NHL made the really made the big news that that we were kind of waiting for. We were waiting for one of these uh, big four sports to announce their return plan, um, and the NHL outlined how it's going to happen. Uh, there are still so many questions, but I'm curious what your first reaction was when you saw the the how the NHL will come back. Yeah, well, my first thought was Gary Bettman must have been hearing all about my successful banana bread baking and said, we've got to get Dan back to work. <laughs> uh, the, the thought that I had was I'm glad that they're making some progress. I ended up being more excited than I thought I would be because we've been looking forward to something but not quite knowing what it would look like and even though there are still these unanswered questions when will this take place where will it take place what cities but at least we have some closure to the regular season that was one of the big things that we talked about how they would resume do you pick up with the regular season at the point it was left off golden knights for example played 71 out of 82 games so you played most of the year but not all of it what does it look like in terms of resuming play if you know, some of those teams are just not going to be in the playoffs? You're asking teams to sit around for a few months, then to go into training camp mode to play games in which they can't possibly benefit, just to then go sit for another five months. That just made no sense. So I thought that there's no way they're going to be able to resume the regular season, and in fact, that's what they've gone forward with. My thought was, all right, what does the playoff scenario look like? Do you go straight into the Stanley Cup playoffs? Well, they've entered this qualifying round. So instead of tw- uh, instead of the normal eight teams per conference, 16 total, they have 12 teams per conference, 24 in total. Now, the top four teams in each conference, eight altogether, but top four teams in each conference are in for sure 
and they play a mini round robin strictly for seeding. Golden Knights, Pacific Division champions would be one of those four in the Western Conference. That idea to play in this round robin for seeding is to ameliorate the problem of the players having not played games for months. The other side of it was, hey, these teams that were on the bubble, we, we can't just cut them off, you know, points, percentage, or points. You know, that's the difference between a team getting in or getting out. So those bottom eight teams are playing each other in this best-of-five qualifying round. And if uh, you win your, your qualifying round, then you're in to the normal field of 16, eight per conference, that we would normally see. So that's why it's, it's you know, once the qualifying round and all the sort of gimmicky approach to this has been concluded, then we'll look at a more much more typical Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, the only question will then be, can they do best of seven for all four rounds? That is not 100%. So that that's kind of how they've, you know, sliced this to make as many people happy. So, and of course, there are going to be some folks that don't like this, but 29 out of the 31 teams – of uh, the player reps voted to approve this plan. So it's not just the league saying, here's what we're going to do. This is the players association negotiating with the league. And uh, as Gary Bettman described it, extraordinary collaboration between the two sides. And that's good news, not only for now, but for future labor peace, we know the NHL has had three lockouts, uh, you know, one entire season missed and two shortened seasons going back to 95. Yeah, it certainly is a, a great sign. And before we want to, before we get into the the guys that are in the playoffs, I'm I'm curious just from the opposite perspective. Uh, you know, a team like the New Jersey Devils, who who did not make it, you know, and and were one of those teams that would have come back just to have to play out the string. They're going to go near nine months w- without playing hockey. Yeah. You know, how difficult do you think it's going to be for those eight teams uh, once things start to rev back up, having really not done anything competitive in nine months? Right. The, the weird thing has been the time away from on-ice activity. Even in an off in a normal off-season, players are on the ice. This is not the old days of Gordie Howe and Bobby Orr, where you could just take the summer off. These guys are on the ice. They might take a couple of weeks off. Riley Smith, who played for the Golden Knights the last three years, he said to me a couple of weeks ago that this is the longest he's been off the ice since he was eight years old. And we obviously have you know it's going to be lots of those games. You're talking these other, uh, you know, players like the Devils, the Red Wings, who, uh, who are not going to participate in this. I can only imagine what their quote-unquote off-season regimen is going to look like. Part of the difficulty being they don't have a definitive start date for the eventual training camp for the 2021 season. They don't know that it's going to start, you know, October or November or December. Part of that problem has to do with. When can they get fans into the arenas? I have a hard time envisioning the start of next year, 2021, without fans in the buildings. The owners of the teams, some organizations being in better financial situations than others, they can't open the doors on next year unless they can have the ticket revenue. TV revenue is not enough for some NHL franchises. So does that mean they can't open the doors until January Uh, it's it's or maybe a a smaller capacity I don't know and I think that lack of certainty is what will be the the problem for those players trying to figure out how to get in shape again and that has also been sort of the problem for the resumption of play guys were were unsure okay when are we gonna have training camp when can we get back on the ice guys can now get on the ice in small groups but they're still not going to have team practices for for another month we're looking at July 10th is the earliest date for that 
Yeah, it's really fascinating to watch. As you said, July 10th is the earliest date. Um, that That's the thing that I think is so interesting. It's that there, there was this big plan announced, um, but there are so many unknowns, namely when this is going to happen. And, and yeah, there's also the unknown of where it's going to happen, but the when is so interesting because um, it, it seems like it's, I mean, we know it's not up to the NHL necessarily. It's not up to Gary Bettman to, to go make that decision of when they can start. Yeah, the, the big thing right now is just you can't go into Canada without a 14-day quarantine. That's not going to work. Um, and, and you also have players from around the world. Some guys have gone home to Sweden, for example, and, and need to make it back to the United States. So there are those logistical challenges that, as you say, are not in the hands of the NHL. It has to do with the logistics and, and the current state of affairs for you know international negotiation. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. But again, that's why they are. And it's different from location to location. Um, You know, New York City versus Edmonton, Alberta. Very different circumstances. So that's why players uh, are allowed on the ice in small groups now. And then uh, at at this point in time, come July, they'll be able to um, they will be permitted to practice as a team um and and at that point i mean you know guys skating around and that'll help them get in shape but they're going to be pretty antsy (laughs) yes they're gonna they're gonna want okay we've been skating around in small groups for a month how much more time would they need thereafter to be in true game shape with a team training camp is it two weeks is it three you know I, i think that they will be eager at that point in time and they haven't set an official timetable for that let's just say best case scenario they do start that team training on July 10th, you know, can they, you know, can they start playing these games, this qualifying round on say July 24th, two weeks after they start doing the, the, this training camp? I, 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 I don't know, maybe, but it, it's also possible that they don't actually start playing games until August. Uh, we, we don't, we don't really know that, but at least there's some sense of, okay, it's not going to happen any sooner than, in this case, July 10th, and that players can at least be back on the ice, which other sports don't have to worry about. Hockey athletes can't replicate the training that they do on the ice in off-ice training. It just can't be done. Yeah, and I think that you're seeing it, you know, you say you can't be replicated, and it certainly can't, but you're seeing it all over. I mean, you know, baseball players don't have, you know, access to batting cages necessarily, and the basketball players don't all have courts in their house, and, and obviously the hockey players don't all have, uh, you know, access to ice. And, and it's been, uh, you know, a weird thing where you can't just compare this all uh, to a lockout or, or to a scenario that we've had in the past right. you, you know you mentioned something in there um about canada f- uh requiring a 14-day mandatory quarantine and, and obviously that would knock out the the canadian cities from hosting one of these hubs or bubbles or whatever you want to call it um could you see a scenario where any canadian team might have to come set up shop in an american city for this training camp though like if it if it's that big of a problem they, they might not be able to have their training camp up there yeah it's it's a good thought i i I think that's why they are delaying this as long as they have. And it's also why they haven't um, finalized the hub cities. Edmonton, Alberta, I, I think, is is a great option because it's been very limited in terms of the coronavirus effects. And they've got a very new arena, just a few years old. They've got a brand new hotel that opened this year that is connected to the arena. Uh, it's not a very <laughs> high tourism destination which is probably good. 
and uh, there's also plenty of ice because it's Edmonton, Alberta in Canada, after all. So a lot of signs are good there, but then there, as you point out rightly, the logistics. So I, I think that, uh, you know, Gary Bettman said uh, in an interview yesterday, he's not yet asking the NHL for special treatment, but there have been, you know, certain allowances made for NHL players and other pro athletes to be considered essential personnel. You know, so what loopholes can you find? What needles can you thread that would allow things to proceed because of the special circumstances? Uh, and again, this some of this may take time. In other words, this is why we're not doing it on June 10th. This is why it's July 10th, because some of these things need to play out logistically. I want to ask you about the hub cities, and, and the, there was a long list, Canadian cities and American cities. Um, I, I guess just to start, from a facilities standpoint, uh, how important would you imagine it is uh, to have more than one rink that is playable, that is TV-friendly? Uh, you know, I look at a Chicago, and I know they've got an AHL venue, you know, somewhere over there, and I know, uh, you know, you guys out in Vegas ha have a venue that's going to be used for the AHL, and, and I wonder if, you know, that might set you up better than uh, another city that might only have the NHL arena so that you can play more than one game at a time if need be. Yeah, it's a good question, and I think that the, the cities listed – the, uh, by the NHL can logistically handle the operation they have laid out, whether it is the hotels, whether it is the ice um, and, and the other factors they're, they're The reason why some cities might not be on the list uh, have to do with, as you say, they're, they're, it's not just the games. It is, uh, you're going to have 12 teams in one place. They all need to practice. They've got to be on the ice, and you've also got to do it in a place where there's going to be some sort of seclusion, some isolation for these teams so that they're not uh, interacting with the, the, the locals so much. Right? You want to protect them as best as you can. Um, yeah, I mean, Vegas has the T-Mobile Arena, of course. It has the Orleans Arena just a couple of miles away. That's where the new AHL team will begin play in 2021. And um, then you've got City National Arena, which is the Golden Knights practice facility, and you've got two sheets of ice out there. So, I mean, there's four sheets of ice. Um, you're going to be using these facilities kind of nonstop. I, I kind of scratch my head because, you know, Las Vegas in July and August is uh, <laughs> it's pretty hot. <laughs> so, so I'm not sure if they've taken that into consideration. But the other matter will have to be, you know, would it be an advantage for the Vegas Golden Knights to play in Las Vegas, you know, <laughs> do you send all the Western conference teams to an East coast city and all the Eastern conference teams to a West coast city? Well, I, like, <laughs> like that might be one solution. Or do you just choose a city that does not have a team part participating like say Los Angeles for the Western conference? I, I really don't know. So there, there are a number of things that, um, you know, that present themselves with each city and they are intentionally putting off the decision on which hub cities for another few weeks so that things can play out, which city might get a second wave or, or which city might have a, a really strong uh, medical system in place that's not being tested at all. Um, you know, on, on the other side of it, you know, like Minneapolis, St. Paul is one of the cities. I can't imagine the NHL is going to choose Minneapolis right now. So a variety of factors, that's why they are putting it off. They're moving forward with all of these cities for now, 
Um, and then they will ultimately have to make a decision sometime in late June as to uh, where where these hub cities would be. Uh, one on the ice question for you. We talked about the format of this and, and that there are teams that would not normally make the playoffs in this play in around. Um, you know, I know the team that I, I the two teams that I've heard the, the most kind of uh, annoyance about are the Canadians who, who don't have a ton of wins on, on the year and the Chicago Blackhawks as, as kind of the potential of, you know, the, the, the historic franchises. And that's why they set the cutoff number and, and whatever conspiracy theory type stuff. But um, in a different note, you know, how much chaos do you think there could be if a team like the Canadians, who probably wouldn't be making the playoffs, you know, do win that best of five series and, and, and start some trouble? Yeah, well, I, I mean, it's kind of wild, <laughs> you know, and it should be entertaining. And, and you're right, because whenever this does resume, it will have been such a long period of time since these teams last played together. You know, injured players get healthy, older guys will be more rusty, and so on and so on. Will these teams resemble themselves, their former selves? Uh, probably not. I mean, to a some degree, sure, but uh, but they're going to be different teams. And that opens the door wide open for even the, the, the lowest-ranked team out of the 24 to have a, a legitimate shot at winning this thing. You go back to the 85-86 season, and that was the last time the NHL had best of five playoff series. And in that 86 postseason, the higher seed won four out of the eight series. Huh. So the lower seed won half the time. Not only that, the four division winners went one and three. So best of five is uh, in, again, that we're talking 1986, the last time they had best of five series in the playoffs. It's a roll of the dice. Now, you, you throw into this extended time away from the game, it's even more crazy. So while the Golden Knights were Pacific Division champions, two times in three years, might I add, that's great. And sure, a couple of injured players, Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, those guys are top two on the team in scoring. They had significant injuries. They were going to be out week to week. They have since fully recovered. They're 100%, Pete DeBoer told us recently. So, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be the case for other teams, too. Does a, a team like think of the New York Rangers? They were hot. You know, they were doing really well um, going into the the NHL pause. Does that continue? You know, is it a hot goalie that takes a team the distance? I, just there's so many questions um, that that you know might go into which teams are more likely to win. There are three teams who are co favorites at six to one odds, and the Golden Knights among them. So, uh, yeah, I think you kind of revert to, all right, what's the talent on each team look like? Uh, you know, you, you, you factor in the trade deadline decisions, you factor in the health and all these things. Um, but, again, if you've got a well-rested veteran goalie like, say, Carey Price, though the Canadians have not really challenged for a cup in recent years, people will tell you Carey Price is still one of the, the top three goalies in the NHL. Well, let's just say Carey Price is playing Carey Price-type hockey because he's been resting for a couple of months. Who knows? Maybe a team like Montreal, which had been very much outside the playoff conversation for a while, maybe they can go on a run. I, I, I just uh, I, I leave the door wide open for that as a possibility. Yeah, it seems like it is certainly all on the table. Last hockey one for you. Um, you know, it, it was interesting to hear Gary Bettman say, you know, the potential of next season starting with a winter classic. And you mentioned the the need for fans uh, in the stands by the, by the time next season starts. 
I mean, I know it's so difficult to to peg, and and some of it depends on that. Some of it depends on when this season wraps up. But what do you imagine next year looks like? What what do you imagine next year looks like as a start, as a length, um, just kind of big picture? It's going to be tight <laughs> because I uh, let's say that they do push back the start of the season, and normally it's like mid October, even early October. Um, you know, the Golden Knights play their first home game on October tenth. Uh, a couple of years ago. So that is uh, not going to happen this year. So is it November? Is it December? Like we said earlier, you know, winter classic, you got to have fans in the seats from a financial standpoint. Is it December? Like we know the NBA and, you know, Christmas day games, that could be the start for the NBA. NHL has made new year's day, a big event with an outdoor game. Maybe that's it. But, the NHL has also been quite insistent on wanting next year to be a full 82 games. Part of that is integrity of the game, but part of it is the revenue. I mean, they are missing out on a significant amount of revenue this year. And a lot of NHL franchises rely on the ticket gate, the the tickets that they sell to human beings walking to the arena. That is still very much the primary source of revenue for a bunch of teams larger markets um you know successful tv cities like las vegas like buffalo sure they get a lot of tv money but now you get the you get the idea you want those 82 games from a financial standpoint and for the integrity of the game all right so now you you put all that together let's say that they start you know late december early january and you still want to play 82 games that means no all-star game no all-star break no bye week it also probably means more games in a shorter period of time with more back-to-backs. And in order to accommodate more games in fewer days, you would want to cut down on travel. So does it mean that you play, you know, instead of like maybe you play your own division or your own conference more often? Would they adjust, you know, the 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 matrix for the schedule? That's possible. Or maybe they they you play the same team a couple of times in a row. Like for instance, if the St. Louis blues are scheduled to play in Vegas twice next year, maybe they play twice in Vegas in consecutive days just to cut down on the travel and and those kinds of things. I think they're going to have to be creative with the schedule in condensing it while also keeping in mind that you can't play every day (laughs) because the players need a break. You've got to recuperate and you're going to get guys injured if you play too many games in a short period of time. And naturally you would have to push back the Stanley cup playoffs. And normally, you know, you start the Stanley cup playoffs around Memorial day and it trickles into early June. I can certainly see a scenario where next year's Stanley cup is uh, much later in, into June. And then uh, I, I got to ask you to, to wrap up. I mean, uh, do you have anything for, for major league baseball and in, in Duva's doghouse? I mean, I think, I think, oh. ev- I think everybody on every level on every side of this can go in there. Right. Right. Well, you know, here, here's all, I'll, I don't want to just uh, replicate the frustration that I'm sure a lot of people are feeling, but I will dial it back to this. And it's something we've talked about before. Major League Baseball does not have a union for its minor leaguers. Um, The the minor league players um, and and the minor league teams are in a much more desperate position than, say, minor league hockey teams and minor league hockey players. And what I see in baseball as the biggest problem is the weakness of its foundation. Sure, Major League Baseball is the public-facing light you know, a limelight focused entity, but it is not the foundation of the game of baseball. 
Baseball's foundation is in little leagues and minor league stadiums and the grassroots of the sport. That's what makes baseball great. And it seems to me that at the highest levels, baseball has forgotten that. And they think that Major League Baseball is the sport. It is absolutely not. It has, to me, just uh, put aside the roots of its sport. And uh, I think that that is being seen, you know, it's, now it's crippling. You know, the minors are, and the draft and, and all of that, like baseball's roots are what keeps Major League Baseball strong. And I think that over time, that has led to the current situation of the players and the league and the owners having this animosity. Now, there's a great deal of dislike for ownership among the players. And it starts when you're a minor leaguer because you're getting paid pennies. Again, I, I, I believe if, if there was a, a greater respect for the roots of the game, and that includes minor league players and minor league franchises, that the major league level of the game would be stronger uh, and we wouldn't have to try to turn baseball into something that it's not. Baseball is not the NBA. Major League Baseball is not the NFL, but it is something special. And I think that the people running Major League Baseball right now uh, have forgotten that, or maybe they never knew it. I don't know. But I, I think it's it's just terrible what's happening to the game because fans, players, broadcasters, employees uh, all over the place are really going to feel this, not only now because of the pandemic, but there's damage being done to baseball that's going to last for, for several years, uh, maybe even decades. So I really feel for the game. It's a game that I love, but it's hard to get into Major League Baseball when you've got all this going on. I'd, I'd rather just go watch a college game. I'd go watch a Cape Cod Baseball League game if they play next summer because in those instances, it's much more about the game. It's more pure. Major League Baseball, to me, has become something that we don't want. It's a gimmick. I just love baseball. Yeah, uh, well, well said, Dan. I, I, look, I'm a huge baseball fan. I was hoping that in two weeks they would be able to be back in spring training, and in three weeks or four weeks you're you're talking about a season restarting. And uh, it's certainly, as we sit here now on Friday, May 29th, uh, it does not look like that's going to be the case. But certainly we shall uh, we shall see. Always enjoy. And I have to confess. I have to confess, Seth. Whenever they do come back. I will watch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's but the that's problem. Me, you know, because <laughs> and part of that for me is I grew up, you know, my dad had played baseball in college. I, you know, watched. I, I mean, there's a picture of me from like 1987 wearing a Mets cap and I didn't even know what was going on. I played baseball through high school. I broadcast baseball through my college years and have done some of it professionally. I love the Mets. I love baseball. So for me, I was brought in. I was hooked at a very early age. And baseball, I think, is doing a disservice to itself because they are not bringing in the young people who then grow into the kind of fan that I am and the kind of fan that you are. Yep, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I was the kid who played baseball at the expense of other sports uh, when I was younger, even though I was not mm -hmm. one of those kids on track to go you know, play at any kind of a high level. Uh, you know, it was just kind of what I yeah. fell into. I could, I could feel that for sure. <laughs> Dan, I, I always enjoy talking with you. Looking forward to uh, when, when your team's getting back on the ice and we're hearing you behind the mic again, and uh, hopefully that's sooner rather than later. Thanks, Seth. Always a pleasure, and I look forward to your baking recipes, so send them right along. Oh, yeah, and those pictures will be up on, on Twitter as well, for sure. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, so thanks again to Dan Duva, the voice of the Vegas Golden Knights on the radio, joining us here 
on a show to be named later. Always enjoy catching up with Dan. And uh, yeah, I guess I, I got to post some of those pictures. I've been very busy over the last eight weeks uh, baking up a whole bunch of goodies. Uh, so I guess I'll have to let y'all in. Uh, on what I was baking. Uh, So go check that out on my Twitter, SethGoldberg17. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, subscribe on your favorite podcast service, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, Radio.com, wherever it is that you like listening the most. And also uh, give me a follow on Twitter at SethGoldberg17 and like my Facebook page, SethGoldbergSports, and you'll get the latest episode each and every time we release one. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a nice weekend. We'll be back talking with you soon here on a show to be named later.